This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Ladies and gentlemen, Billy Hallowell and Chris Field, the church boys. From the sublime to the ridiculous, but mostly ridiculous. I hate these guys. Are you scared, kids? This is You're the, awful. This is the special. This is the special uh, Church Boys Halloween episode. We've already we've already offended people because we've said Halloween. Oh, it's not Halloween. You know, there was a church I went to. Or my friend went to in college, and they would instead of Halloween, they did um harvest festival. Well, yeah, but they didn't call it harvest festival because that would be too tacky. They called it a uh, Neowalla Halloween huh? back, Halloween backwards Neowalla. Ours was a har- harvest festival yeah. at the church I went to growing up, and it was I think that was a big thing in like the eighties and nineties was to have the churches be anti 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 Halloween, and they would always have the harvest festival party, which is exactly the same as a Halloween party because everybody <laughs> dressed up and everybody got candy and punch and cookies and cupcakes. So you're still celebrating Halloween. It's exactly the, the same, only we call it harvest festival or Neowalla and not Halloween because we're super righteous. You know, it's just like come on, people. I, well, again, look, I don't want to offend anybody. Okay. Yeah, I there. do. Though. So let Go me ahead. let me say, if you don't celebrate Halloween, I respect that. But I do think, and I have friends who judge me for celebrating, think it's yeah, wrong yeah. that we allow our daughter to trick or treat. And I think here's the thing: I'm not going to judge. I guess I will judge a little bit and say that those who are that extreme on it, um, who are going to judge me for it, I think are wrong. Yes. But that's okay. We can disagree. Right. Well, you, you know, can be silly and you can think I'm right. silly. Okay. And so uh, I know you don't want to offend people, but I don't really care. If you don't celebrate Halloween because it's <laughs> it's, it's demonic, <laughs> you're an idiot. Okay. That's, that's what we'll just lay it out there. Oh, boy. Do I really, um, all right. Well, the okay. comment section no. is lighting up. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe not an idiot. Maybe that's too strong a term. But, you know, you aren't going to listen to me to say, you know, if you don't celebrate Halloween on religious grounds, you know, maybe you need to reconsider. You know that nobody's gonna listen to me say that. Look, look, tell you, listen, are, you're a moron. There are elements of Halloween that I avoid and don't want any part of, and I think that is. I mean, there are elements of Halloween, meaning certain costumes or themes or things that I probably would avoid. I think that there's a very healthy but way you would to avoid, celebrate Halloween. But you would avoid them 365 days a year, not just one out of 365. Right. You exactly. Would, right. You know, exactly. and you you don't celebrate those things any day. Right. <laughs> no. Exactly. And I think. Look, I mean, I do like to watch scary movies. There are certain movies, but there are, I don't like gory movies. I don't yeah, like movies. I, don't no. I like suspenseful ghost movies. Those don't bother me. I don't like the, oh, I'm going to gut you like a fish movies right. and show it to yeah, you. I don't, no, I mean, and yeah. yeah, and look, I think that there are things that go on. You're right. I mean, look, witchcraft, all these things um, that, that go on in the world that I would not support any other day. Obviously, right. I'm not going out and having a seance on Halloween, but I do think you can celebrate Halloween in a healthy way. Um, and I think you're right. If a church is going to do something, guess what, church? If you're doing it on Halloween, you're still celebrating Halloween. It's still Halloween. It's just that's what it is. And I listen. I'm I'm very pro Halloween for a whole lot of reasons. One, I like candy. <laughs> you know. <it's... laughs> but the others, especially now having kids, like when I was a kid, I enjoyed the Halloween thing and getting dressed up and that sort of thing. And our church always, when I was a kid, we actually had we called it a Halloween party at the church. That was after school from three to five. There's a Halloween party at the church, and there was chili with crackers. Well, maybe not chili with crackers, <laughs> but there was candy, and there was we had games, you know, you know, bobbing for apples and all that kind of stuff, the, the traditional stuff. 
But then when I was a teenager, there was this big movement in the 90s to scare people away from Halloween as, as though we didn't know what Halloween was. Yeah, ghosts and ghouls and that sort of thing, but nobody took it seriously. And the people who do, do take that kind of stuff seriously on the bad side, on the dark side, they're, they're taking it seriously all the time anyway. And so it's just really bizarre to me. So there was this whole push of we're not going to do Halloween and the, the church stopped, churches stopped having Halloween parties. And, you know, anybody who did Halloween was blah, 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 looked down on. And it's like, you got to be kidding me. You know, people, my, my folks obviously went to the same church I did growing up. And there was, a, you know, there's a real kind of a division in the church, including some family members. You're like, you can't do Halloween. You can't do Halloween. And mom and dad are like, uh, we're going to do Halloween because it one, we don't think it's a problem for one. But it'd be kind of hypocritical of us considering that dad owned the, the local pharmacy drugstore, like a Rite Aid, but not called Rite Aid. It was his own independent thing. And it was the only, you know, the big game in town. And they sold Does he Halloween. still own that? Does no, he, he just he just retired. He sold it so to his partner. His business, he had a business partner. There was two pharmacists in town. And they both, you know, owned the, they were their business partners. And he sold out his half because he's old now and retiring. And so he just, in the last, this happened in like in the last six months, I guess, that he retired. Anyway. Mom and dad would say, be kind of hypocritical of us to be anti-Halloween when our our store is the place to get Halloween candy and Halloween decorations and Halloween costumes in town. I mean, that would be ridiculous. Right. So uh, I, I never... Your family for, just profited right. off of evil. Right. Clearly. So, yeah, obviously. So I'm a big fan of, big fan of Halloween. I loved it. I have great, a lot of great memories as a kid. Not only trick-or-treating, but also like the the weeks leading up to Halloween, watching the great pumpkin Charlie Brown. That was a blast to me. I love great memories. You know, getting to, getting into the costume box that mom would bring up, you know, every, you know, every October and playing with the costumes that were in it. Just all that stuff. And now as I've got kids and they love Halloween, it is fantastic. I love it. Yeah, I like Halloween. I mean, I, I, I see the critiques, but I think they're a little silly. I think you can celebrate it in a healthy way, and and that's sort of where I land on it. I again, I have friends yeah. who le- who legitimately cannot handle that I celebrate Halloween, really? and I just I I sort of laugh back and I say, well, I like to eat candy and chocolate, and I like my kids to have fun, right. and you know, oh well, Merry Christmas. Right. I mean, it's... look, we can you can make the very same well, not the same, but very similar arguments about Easter and Christmas. And other like Jesus wasn't born on December twenty fifth, right. most likely. So you know, and there are pagan origin origins and and how certain holidays were were yeah, taken yeah, over. Yeah. yeah, there's a whole history there. So I don't think um, I don't I think we can have these arguments on a lot of different holidays. And there are some Christians who don't celebrate Christmas because sure. of those things too, which I think is also very silly. Right. So who doesn't but, like gifts? But I, I just I just I just I really enjoy Halloween, and I love one of the things I love about you know my birthday is the end of August, as we all know. And um, I love that my birthday, it, it, it ushers in like September in, into Labor Day. And I don't care, give a rip about Labor Day, except for that tends to be, you know, college football kickoff season, kickoff weekend kind of for, for the most part. And I love college football and football season, which gets us into Halloween, which then ushers in Thanksgiving, which is my favorite <laughs> time of the year that gets into Christmas. Oh, my. I, I just there's nothing about November Halloween I don't December like. Are amazing. Yeah, they're amazing. There's, and, and well, in October, when the, the leaves on the trees all change color, you can't see it here, but. All the, the, my neighbor's tree is like this bright red color and all of our, we have, I don't know, six or seven huge trees in our yard and they've got all these different colors. It's just beautiful and I love it and I love October and I love Halloween and I get into it and there's really nothing that can ruin this weekend for me. I just, I, I am so excited about it and, and watching the kids go out and, in their costumes and get candy and 
know, there's only there's only one thing that I shouldn't say there's nothing that could ruin this weekend. It won't ruin it, but so I, I told you. Uh, see, we're recording this uh, not long before uh, the, the the football team that I coach goes and plays at their Friday afternoon evening football game. We win this game, we go to state. We lose this game, and we got to have help getting into the state tournament, right? As far as like records go, and so if we lose, then we got to have somebody else lose, and then it'll be a three way tie, and we got it anyway. So we win this. So there's nothing that can ruin this weekend for the most part, except for maybe a loss might hurt my feelings. But this is we're recording this before that game happens. So I guess I guess I should record two things. I suppose should we should we record two segments and we can have one happy segment, one super sad segment. No, I actually want to talk about it next week and laugh at you either way. But I want to just transition into something. Can you give me the awkward transition yes. music, please? Now, if you're, uh, let me find it. Here, here we go. We are, uh, and uh, here we go. Oh, I, did, I got to turn the volume up. That would help just a second here. You're a yes, mess. I know I am. Speaking of Halloween and scary things, did anybody watch the presidential debate? I was hoping that was going to be the transition you used. Just a, just a second. We, we have a phone call. <laughs> Hello, Fields. What? Shut up. <laughs> Some telemarketer. This is um, the call you wanted about the back brace thing you watched on television <laughs> that you called about. <laughs> what are you talking about? There's nobody in our house shopping for a back brace. People that you are know nuts. Of. Well, not that I know of. Well, I, I just want to talk about, and I think it's really appropriate because there was a pumpkin at the center of the stage last night in the middle of. <laughs> Sorry, I just I don't try a giant pumpkin. Anyway, a, um, a pumpkin. Uh, with his glowing eyes and his orange hair. But the bottom line is that I thought. That entire debate was, and not the candidates, no. the, the the moderators. It was almost like the cast of Saturday Night Live took over the debate. It was, but it was so lackluster. I mean, did you watch? Did you watch the JV debate too? No, I refused. So I watched. Because the, they're all they're all losers for work because we were doing the live blogging and commentary on the on the debates. I watched the JV debate, and then I watched the 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 filler stuff between debates, and I watched the full, you know. Um, big hit table debate and um there was nothing about it that i thought was as far as cnbc i thought it was a total flop for it at cnbc i thought that the only there are two people with any redeeming qualities who are who are on in my opinion who are doing any sort of analysis or question asking and these both these guys didn't actually ask questions they were just doing analysis larry kudlow who i love and joe kernan who i love and other than that it was just like amateur hour it was terrible i thought it was i thought that the that the um the talking heads who were on for the most part were awful i thought that the the moderators were terrible the questions were pretty lame and obvious and pretty you know negative and they were, they were on the attack i thought that um i thought it was poorly produced if you listen to the audio levels they had every every candidate had two mics did you see that they had a lapel yeah. mic on and they had their their podium mic and there were times where nobody's mic was on. Like somebody would be talking and you couldn't hear them. It was like having one. It was like it was one? like having Billy run the mics. Speaking of mics, <laughs> is your main mic working right now? Do you have your power uh, light why? on? Why are you not hearing me? Is the power light on? <laughs> nope. Power <laughs> lights out. 
So now it's back and we're back. <laughs> no, I could hear you, but I was coming through your computer mic rather than your mic mic, but that's fine. I think it's fun like that for a while. <laughs> just, I'm done. Just, I'm totally over technology. See, now I, can I hear actually you. You sound think so much that better. you had somebody come in my house and rig everything so that you'd have a narrative. <laughs> But the lighting was the lighting was bad, like the lighting on your computer here, because you've got that <laughs> giant bright window behind you. <laughs> is CNBC producing this show? <laughs> um, the bottom line the bottom line is that I want to know who you thought won. That's what I want to know. You know, I thought that I think that um, Ted Cruz, and maybe this is winning, is getting the most positive attention out of the debate because of his answer about how the media is going after people incorrectly. Like there's a problem. If I were to say who actually won won the debate, I kind of think that Marco Rubio won that thing. I thought he had some great points. I thought he had some great answers to George to uh, to uh, Bush to Jeb Bush. I thought his responses to the moderators were good. I thought his <laughs> substantive his answers were pretty substantive. Um, you know, I'm a, a as you know a Ted Cruz fan. Uh, yeah, I'm aware. I'm a Ted Cruz fan, but uh, I know all about I, it. So I I have to take that out and say I, I'm. Ted Cruz probably came in second. I thought Marco Rubio. I thought Marco Rubio looked really good last night. Or what I don't have any fans because I have no opinions. But I will say <laughs> that I thought uh, <laughs> that it I has thought, been removed. The opinion maker in you have, has been removed. Uh, yes, it's been extracted. Um, but I will. I will say that I thought Marco Rubio won. I oh, thought Ted yeah. Cruz had some good moments, and I thought Carly Fiorina was. Eh, was okay, but was one of the stronger of them. Yeah, as always, I yeah. think she. I think that she speaks to the narrative that can, that resonates with conservatives about government and the size of government. Whether yeah. or not yeah. she's an appropriate candidate, sure, I don't know. But imagine Marco Rubio and Carly Fiorina. That would be a fascinating mix. That would be a fascinating ticket, don't you think? Yes, because no, they I both do. they both would just punch people. They're the Democrat opponents right in the mouth, but if smiling to, the whole way. I, not who I like, but if I had to pick right. who I thought had the strongest. Chance, that's who I would pick. Oh, really? I don't. I think Ted Cruz is going to struggle to get the middle of the country. Okay, I could see the, that. the people who are moderates. I think are not going. I think Hillary will grab them, and he will not. You think there's a chance that the? Do you think there's a chance that the moderates just go eh? On a, both of them, or just maybe don't even participate? I don't know because I I live in a place where people are skewed one one way, right? Yeah, so I don't yeah. I don't know. But what I do know is I think. Out of the two of them, and this might be wrong, and I might be stepping on a landmine, I think if you took the two of them and put them out in front of people and said which one is more extreme, people more people would say Ted Cruz. Not that he, I'm not saying he is. Right. I think the perception right. is that he is. Now, see, and I live in a part of the country, in a part of the state in this part of the country, where people will crawl over broken glass to vote for anybody but Hillary. I mean, I think there's a lot of people like that too, although. Her numbers are still very strong for somebody who is fielded. But do you remember <laughs> when she, when her husband left office, and then there was talk of her running, you know, after her husband was gone, the the polling always said that there was a minimum of, and I wouldn't be surprised if this number still stood was pretty close to this. There was a minimum of forty five percent of the country <laughs> that said that they would never, ever vote for Hillary Clinton. Now, yeah. the voting demographics yeah. have changed since then in the last 15, 20. I get that, right? But there have been a lot of... she. Ha, there is a an anti-Hillary core out there. Definitely. No, I definitely think that's true. Um, I think it becomes challenging, and I'm actually trying to pull some um, polls up right now as we're, as we're sitting here. 
Yeah, I just I think it. I don't know. I think it becomes problematic when you start to look at how much support she still has. Obviously, within her party, she's going to have that support. But I don't know. It it really could. Like I'm looking. I'm looking right now, in in different states. Obviously, North Carolina. I mean, she's beating. I mean, she's beating people. She's not beating Rubio in in North Carolina, but she's and Cruz is up by one point over her. But I guess my point is, she should be far lower everywhere. Yeah. If people hate her that much on well, the whole. but I think and that. But I, I and that's and that's possibly true. But there's also. If she's the the one Democrat candidate that anybody has in mind, and then other people have a whole bunch of different candidates in mind, that's going to skew. Even if you're saying, "What about Cruz versus Hillary?" Well, I know Hillary's a known entity to me, and, and Cruz isn't, so maybe I lean Hillary, or I don't have an answer. So that's going to skew the answers toward Hillary, regardless uh, of where the people actually stand. I don't think that Hillary stands a chance of winning in North Carolina. I think no. that I think Barack Obama didn't because there was the black angle and you will like that or not. I think that that's the case. I don't think that she can win South Carolina. I don't think she can win anywhere. I, she's going to she's going to, for the most part, struggle throughout the entirety of below the Mason Dixon line. I mean, well, for, for almost, almost we, there I might think, be one or two states that she pick up, but not many. I think we need to transition into oh, our first interview today. All right. So, do you want to do you want to take a break or just transition into it? Let's just transition. Okay, you know, what? You. I'm actually going to I'm going to veto any breaks today. Well, it's going to be exhausting. That's okay. All right. Let's uh let's let's transition then, shall we? Let's try this transition see how it sounds. Oh, that was a nice one. That was a very pretty one. <laughs> so, I sat down with Corey Robertson. And uh, we all know Corey Robertson from Duck Dynasty. And we had a we had like a 20 minute conversation about a lot of right. different things. She has a book out about parenting, Corey, which I think Corey, now Corey Robertson, isn't that the woman who is way, 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 way out of Willie Robertson's league? Yes. OK. Yes. Okay. Um, just check, and by just the way, Will, my goal is to get Willie Robertson to co-host. Well, that would be amazing. That would be amazing. That is my goal. But um, anyway, so she, we talked about her new parenting book, which I think is interesting to people considering who her kids are and how they yeah. It turned out. Yeah. Um, and then we also talked about Obama politics. I'm not even going to oh, spoil really? it because it's a great conversation. And I'm just going to instruct you right now, Christopher Field, to play it. Oh, is that, is, like now? I'm, that's it. Yeah. Just Wait, do it. Now? I'm not even. Just go ahead and. Like right now. Pl- okay, right now. And so here we go. And play. Roll it. Welcome to the to the Blaze. Welcome to the Church Boys. Thank you for coming down today. Thanks for having me. So you've been all around Manhattan today. Uh-huh. Talking to a lot of different people, and thank you for making time for us. And why you're here to talk with us is your new book. Tell me a little bit about this book. Why did you write it? Yes, my book is called Strong and Kind, and it's really a callback to parents to work on instilling character into their children. You know, I think as parents, a lot of times we get so busy and tied up worrying about all the little things, like, you know, whether they're bottle fed or breastfed or, you know, that can seem so big at the time and and are are big issues. But when you look at what's really important for your kids, what's going to make them the kind of adults that they need to be, the kind of adults that are going to be contributing members of society and that are going to have good values and um, be good people. Yeah. All those, all those really important things. Exactly. It's so true. You get stuck. I have a three-year-old and Uh I have a two-month-old, almost three-month-old. And right now we're stuck in that whole vortex of, you know, all those (laughs) things that you mentioned. And it's funny because with the three-year-old, you start to see, okay, there's certain things we need to do. You know, there's Mm -hmm. certain behaviors you already want to start to correct. And there's things that you see. Um, And when you talk about being strong and kind and then character, which I know you talk about in the book, when it comes to character, how would you define that word? 
You know, I think character is about who you are whenever nobody's looking. It's about how you live your life, how you um, how you go through your day, and how you you know live with the values and virtues that you know are important. I mean, strength of character involves a lot of things. It can be loyalty and humility and self-control and all of those things that are you know biblical principles, but that we can all agree are positive traits for people to have. Right. You don't have to believe in the Bible to believe that, right? Exactly. But I, my next question was actually about faith, because obviously, I mean, your family having been in the spotlight and facing mostly ups, I mean, I, it's hard to find people who don't like you guys, although they're out there and they've tried to go <laughs> after things. Um, but you have consistently been representative of a real family that has faith and that isn't afraid to... Um, own up to that faith and talk about that faith, which is very rare in Hollywood, as, as you know. Um, what are some of the challenges when it comes to raising your kids? And I know now um, a couple of your kids are a little older. Your son is married now. and um, But what are the challenges that fame sort of brought into that mix? Well, faith is very important to us. It's the number one thing in our lives. And whenever we, you know, embarked on this whole journey into Duck Dynasty and all the things that we do, we knew that Faith was still going to be number one, and we actually, you know, went to the Father and prayed and said, if if that if anything comes between that, then take it away from us because that is number one for us. We hope to honor God in all that we do, and you know, as a country, I think that that is that's where that's the problem. You know, yeah. we've turned away from God. We've said to God, basically, no, thank you. I think I know better, and um, you know, it's showing in the way that you know our young people are growing up and the respect that our young people have for authority and the and the way that people are acting towards each other in love and kindness and all those things all those biblical virtues yeah I mean everything you mentioned before right you started mm-hmm. going through the different characteristics of character and mm-hmm. um, you're talking about all of that a lot of those things it, you know at least from my perspective and I'm sure yours you sort of look out there and you're thinking well what's going on I mean we, we've sort of walked away from a lot of that and I think it's one of the reasons why Sadie when she was on Dancing with the Stars everybody was so captivated by that because here you have this young girl who's going out there and not doing all the things that you would expect a young girl unfortunately nowadays to be doing on a show like that because of where we are. Why do you think, and it seems like it's been pretty rapid, and maybe you'll disagree, but it seems like the last five years, I mean, pretty rapid sort of decay, and it had been maybe coming for a while. What do you think is behind that? Why is that happening? I think part of it is a turning away from God, and I think also it's a confusion. Like, we're all so confused about what's right and wrong, and what we value, and what we consider heroic, and what we consider important, and we've actually lost confidence in in the truth and in who we are and as parents we've lost confidence and our kids seek our kids like sense that they sense weakness and they're like hmm our parents don't really know like what to do anymore with us and whenever our kids see that then they're confused and they don't know what to believe and they listen to the media they listen to whatever you know popular celebrity is telling them at the time rather than listening to you know wisdom of parents and grandparents and I think part of that is the breakdown of the family the breakdown of you know mom and dad staying together and showing that loyalty when times get tough and um, the grandparents the the benefits of having older generations teaching the younger generations and bringing a lot of things that you know one of the things my I talk about in the book my grandmother used to say as pretty is as pretty does and you know that was talking about how it's not about what you look like on the outside it's what's on the inside that counts and you know within our social media age with all Instagram and selfies and all that sometimes it's hard to remember that you think oh 
pretty is you know yeah. the per the, the look of perfection that you see with you know all the young people trying to look perfect all the time when pretty is what's on the inside and I remember my mom teaches me that lesson whenever I talk about that in the book as well whenever I was about 13 I was all of a sudden in that phase of having to look perfect all the time and I had to need to have my makeup done and my, <laughs> my hair just so before I walked out the door and we were on a road trip and you know we stopped at the gas station and my mom was like you're gonna go to go to the bathroom and I was like I can't my hair's not done and I don't have my <laughs> lipstick on and mom was basically like get over yourself you, you know <laughs> get over you? yourself do you think so highly of yourself and I re- I'll never forget that moment I thought wow because I thought oh no this is you know me wanting you know having a low self-esteem because I need she said no that's you actually thinking too much about yourself that's interesting and and you know you mentioned sort of the confusion which seems to be and we were joking before we started recording about and and when you're walking in Manhattan there's a million umbrellas and everybody's looking (laughs) at their phone and when it's raining and nobody's paying attention they're distracted and it does seem like for all the great things that technology has brought, it's sort of distracted us a little bit more. And, you know, all of the messages, I mean, you think about the parents who are working, who aren't home as much with their kids because they have too many times um, and they don't have that time with their kids. And their kids are almost being raised by the media and by their friends at school. And that's sort of the influence that they're getting. And then you look at your family and no family is perfect, obviously. And you guys have never said we're all perfect, never. Um, but what, how were you able to walk away with kids who were so in tune with all the things that you're talking about? I think that's the question people will have. Yeah, I think that it's not near as important to be perfect as it is to be real with your kids and to talk to your kids a lot. And it's not about whether you're a stay-at-home mom or you or work or if you, you know, it's not because women and men have been working their whole right. lives, you know, or for all of eternity, yeah, from all of true. eternity. So I don't think it's about like, oh, we don't have time anymore. It's really about being intentional about that time and making sure that we talk to our kids and put those values in them and then actually living it. Because if they don't see it, if they don't see it in us, then they'll call bull on that really quickly. Yeah. You know, they, they know if we're not actually living. If we're going to say, we want you to be kind, but then at the soccer game, we're yelling and screaming and throwing a fit whenever right. the, the referee makes a bad call, then they're like, hmm, I'm not really seeing how kindness is playing out. Or when someone asks for something and needs help on the side of the road, if they're not seeing us doing that, then they know that we're not really living it. And how much more important does that become, you know, when you sort of look at society changing I and mean, you have all these changes that have happened in the last couple of years. And before you could kind of say to your kids, well, this is what we believe and this is why we believe it. And, you know, you still should say that, obviously, but mm-hmm. but the outside world sort of affirm that more than it does now. Mm-hmm. I mean, how much more important is it to sort of do what you've said, considering all of that? I think it's even more important for us to teach our kids and teach them well and be intentional about how we teach them because there is so many outside influences and it is bombarding them daily. And that is causing so much confusion. I think you can go to one channel and then flip to the next and you hear a totally different story and a whole whole different spin on that same exact same story. So I think it is confusing. And if it's confusing to us as adults, it's confusing to young people. So we, I think we have to have our head on straight. We have to know what was important to us. We have to know what we value and that's really what this book is talking about is talking about not I'm not giving you a list of things to do as a parent but I'm really challenging parents to say 
what do we value? What do we think is important? And how are we going to go about instilling that in our children? And then, you know, we give tips. And of course, I, I, we tell stories about our kids growing up and, and all of that fun stuff. But really, it's more about a challenge to the parents, to each of you to say, these are your kids. Right. God gave them to you. They are yours to grow and to nurture and to raise, to become successful adults, contributing members to society, kind and compassionate and loving and and self-controlled and hardworking people. And how are you going to do that? And um, now's the time to start thinking about it. Yeah, and especially in a world that doesn't value any of those things. I think that that is the that is the tough part. And sometimes I think because I live just outside New York, I'm like, gosh, would it be better to go somewhere else? You know, because <laughs> you think about these places you live in, you're sort of like, not that life is bad. It's very nice here, but you know, it's an extra, it's a little more challenging. There's a little less of that influence, and so it's it's sort of interesting how you just look around the country and see different pockets of that. But it does seem like on the whole this has been sort of a, a problem, that these values have been eroding more and more. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the political system, obviously election year is coming and it's like it's all we're talking about. Um, you know, today is Wednesday, we have a debate tonight uh, from the, with the Republicans. Where do you stand? Because it is interesting when you, we talk about role models and we talk about celebrities, you know, our politicians have sort of been infamously awful role models too. Uh, and both parties, people in both parties. But, you know, right now, we have President Obama, we have Congress. You know, when you look at politicians, what do you think their responsibility is um, to sort of uphold an example, let's say? I think that responsibility is huge. I think we've excused politicians for way too long because of their power, because of I don't really know why we've excused them. And, and we've not held them up to be people of character and people with good values, people that we would want our children to be. And um, I think we've excused it for too long. And that's that's why in the race right now, I think we're looking at outsiders. There are The outsiders are coming up because we're like, we don't want politics as usual. Right, exactly. That's for sure. And, you know, we get... Um, a lot of a lot of different things coming coming down the exactly, line whenever yeah. we look that way but um but um i think that i think we've excused it for too long we have to go back to looking for men and women of integrity um, men and women that um, have values and that can lead our country to a place that honors god and will be on their knees asking for god to to be with us as a country yeah it is it is fascinating you know you had president bush for eight years you had president obama for eight years and it it's very different, the approach the two of them have sort of taken. They both talked about being Christians. They both talked about sort of leading in, in that way at different times, but two totally radically different ways of doing that. And you sort of see how people re, how people respond to that. I don't want to get you into trouble, but um, <laughs> what is sort of your reflection on this administration and, and how it's handled faith and, and these values that we're talking about? Well, I don't think they really have handled faith. You know, I think that they've shied away from it. And I think that um, we are seeing the results of that. When we shy away, we turn away from God. We we do see the results of that. So, um, I, you know, I think we need a, a turning back to that, that. Our country was founded on that. Now, I don't think that I don't want a, a president who legislates Christianity or legislates morals. I'm absolutely about separation of church and state as far as that. I, I don't think that we should. I don't want anybody imposing their beliefs on me and right, I, I don't think we should have a president that that but I do think we need to have a, a president that does um, love God and honors him and has the values that um, that he yeah. tells us is right well it is interesting because whenever we have the conversation about the separation of church and state and you and you talk about these issues with people and it's sort of like either people are no 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 there can be there has to be a strict separation there can be no mention of God at all 
And I mean, I've never met anybody on the other end. I'm sure they exist who's like, oh, we want a theocracy. We want a, you know. And so <laughs> right. but it, it, that's like what critics will sort of do. They'll sort of say mm-hmm. that any perspective of you wanting God in any way or values in any way is an endorsement of saying you want a Christian government. Mm-hmm. Whereas to me, it's sort of like, well, you have a you have government officials who are elected by people who mm-hmm. 70% of them, you know, according to Pew, claim that they're Christians, whether or not mm-hmm. they practice, that's the claim, that they might want to elect somebody who reflects those values. That is very different to me than saying, oh, we want a Christian, you know, government. Exactly. Um, Exactly. That's what I think. I think it's about reflecting the values and, um, you know, having someone in there of integrity, I think is is the number one thing. And then, of course, you know, you want somebody in there who's smart, who's a good businessman, who's a good communicator, who's a good connector, and who, you know, knows how to get things done, and who values the things that you value, who thinks it's important, things like education and for, for me, you know, adoption and foster care and children issues and education, all those issues are important to me. So I'll look at, at who's, who thinks that's important, who is going for that as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you had to pick somebody, is there anybody that you have in mind that you like right now more than anybody else on the um, Republican side? Well, you know, I do. Um, I, I, Willie and I disagree a lot on, on <laughs> politics. We actually just had lunch together and we're just arguing the whole time about politics. And, um, you That's know, funny. That's really funny. It is. Yes, we have. We don't. We don't always see eye to eye on that. But um, but that's okay. You know, that's right. that's what My makes America exactly. <laughs> that's what makes America great. But um, you know, I really like Dr. Carson. I think he's got a lot of good ideas. I, um, I like Fiorina. I like. I think that she. Um, I, I agree with a lot of her policies. And um, but I think that you know, as far as a man of faith, I think Dr. Carson is one of those. And um. I think it's very interesting that Donald Trump all of a sudden decides to, to bring faith into the into this issue, and oh, it's very God, interesting the way he he did it. But um, but that's that's Mr. Trump, well, I guess. Especially <laughs> when you know, and we had a reporter who went to the church, went to his church in New York, and asked questions. You know, has he been a member? And they're like, we haven't seen him in you know, decades here, um, basically. So when you have that sort of issue going on, it makes me laugh when you're you know going after somebody else's faith when you weren't weren't able to name a Bible verse or anything else when people asked you. I'm um, certainly not going to judge anyone on their faith, right. but I think no, it's just interesting not. that he act, he's the one who brings it up. Yeah, right, because it's sort of like, oh, this is funny. But, you know, I think that's you know, does Willie like him? He does. I think he, you know, he, he relates to him that he's a businessman. He definitely, mm-hmm. and he's yeah. an outsider. Like we said, people are looking for something different in politics because politics, as usual, you know, we we've dealt with a lot of corruption and that, tired of it. and people are tired yeah. of it. Uh huh. I think Mr. Trump needs to start saying. Um, what what he believes i think so far it's just kind of been like this is you know vote for me because vote for me because i'm the best you know so it'd be interesting to hear to start kind of hearing um where he stands on a lot of issues and and also you know the the faith issue is something that's important to me and you know i i hope that he is a man of god and is a man of integrity and um yeah if he's the one but yeah right now um I'd say Dr. Carson at this point. Yeah, and he's come up as number one. I'll be interested to see what mm-hmm. happens tonight. And a lot of the and a lot of these polls that have been coming out, sort of showing him leading Trump, um, uh-huh. or at least in some polls inching up towards Trump. Um, okay, a parent, another parenting question. What for you has been the toughest lesson to learn as a parent? It could be something specific or something maybe more general. The toughest lesson to learn as a parent. Um, Wow, I've been a parent for like 20 years, so there, I've learned a lot <laughs> of lessons lot. over this time. But um, I think that, you know, as a mom and a woman, sometimes we tend to blame ourselves. And there's a story in the book that I tell whenever I get up in the middle of the night and the house was just a wreck, and I text all the kids and I said, 
I have raised a bunch of slobs. Like that was the text. And Willie was like, I think it's really interesting that you blamed yourself. You didn't just call them slobs. You said, I have raised have a bunch raised of slobs. Them. Like I'm blaming myself. The fact I'm like, well, apparently I didn't teach them right. They didn't, you know, how can I not have taught them to put up the, you know, bread and not leave it out and just ruin on the table, you know? And, um, but, uh, you know, as a mom, sometimes we tend to blame ourselves for, for all the little things that your kids do. And, you know, sometimes kids are just kids. They're going to make yeah. mistakes. They're not going to be perfect. We, they're, they're, we're not perfect. Right. We're, we make mistakes all the time, so they're not going to be either. So um, we can't blame ourselves as, as a parent. We just have to um, know that um, we're doing our best and, and get right. on with it. I love it. That's funny. <laughs> um, and, you know, what would you say is the most rewarding thing about parenthood for you? I just have, I honestly have loved every stage of the kids' lives. You know, I just loved them when they were babies and wake up to their smiling faces in the morning. But now John Luke is married and he's away at college and it's so fun to FaceTime him. That's one of those things of technology that is just like, I love that we have now because he's 15 hours away and we get to FaceTime and he tells me all about the things he's learning and how he's growing and how he's just um, becoming a man. And I have just really really love that and to see you know each of our kids grow up through each stage and and really do the things that we have worked hard to instill in them see them being kind see See the values see those values playing out yeah seeing them being kind seeing them being strong in circumstances that are difficult um whenever you know somebody turns against them or they lose a friend or things like that or social media maybe you know things like that but see them being strong through those things and see them being kind to others um each of our kids, you know, I've had different people come up to me and tell me something kind that they did that I didn't wouldn't have never known about, and that's the that's most the most rewarding thing as a mom. Yeah, that's gonna feel really mm-hmm. good. Now I know you've talked about this before, um, getting married young, which you know it's funny because I feel like we live again. This is one of those issues, and maybe this is a New York thing or a big city thing. But I'm 32, and we have almost no friends, my wife and I, who are married. A lot of people are, are waiting much later in life to get married, and I notice even more so here. Um, and there's nothing wrong with any decision anybody makes, but it is interesting. People tend to look down sometimes on getting married young. Um, how do you feel about that? Yeah, it was really interesting. John Luke and Mary Kay did get some flack mm-hmm. about that, you know, but we were married young, my parents were married young, and it's just, you know, I feel like we grew up together, you know? Yes, as if you get married young, you do go through a lot of phases and you change a lot and you grow a lot. But the beauty of that is you do that together and, you know, you're, you look back and you, you know, it's, you go through the tough times together and you come out on the other side together. Right, right. And, um, you know, the re, I think the reward is, is great. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, I, I was 23 my wife was 22. We were 22 or 23. And, uh-huh. you know, our friends were like, what are you doing? What do you think? Because we were still, we were in New York. And it just made me laugh because I thought, well, I, my parents were even younger than that when they got married. So I just think it's a, it's an opinion thing that people have. But it does seem like it's interesting that we've sort of moved away from mm-hmm. that overall. Yeah. And perhaps um, it's a part of, you know, people not growing up as fast as they used to. Um, we t- I talk about in the book as well how the teenager, the the whole concept of teenager didn't even come about until like 1940s. You know, you were a kid, then you were an adult. Right. And that's how, because life was tough, you had to work, you know. But nowadays, our teenage years and our college years have kind of been extended where mom and dad take care of you a little bit longer and all that. And some of that is good because, you know, yeah. we, we're family and we help each other out and all that. But um, I think some of that is a lack of responsibility and a lack of, of letting our kids grow up and letting yeah. our kids go out into the world and make mistakes and, 
you know, do dumb things and get over it and right. grow from it. Because sometimes we're so trying to protect our children from all the, the little things that might come their way. And they don't grow up as fast. I remember that was a debate with, the, was it healthcare where, where they were saying, I think under Obamacare, it was you could be on insurance until you were 26, which mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not criticizing that, but it, but it was interesting because I remember thinking, wow, I've, and again, I'm, it's going to sound like I'm being judged. I've been on my own insurance for a long time. You know, I remember <laughs> thinking, wow, I could still be on my parents' insurance if I wanted to be at, at that time. So it's funny. And um, it does seem like we just look at it, you know, childhood totally differently. And maybe mm-hmm. the media plays a role in that too. I don't know. Yeah, but, I think so. So last question for you. What is the biggest takeaway? You know, anybody who picks up your book, what do you want them to walk away thinking or feeling? Um, I want them to walk away confident as parents because I think confidence is an important thing, important thing for parents. And I think with all the parenting books and the psychologists and the experts and the this and the that, that sometimes we are just so confused that we don't do anything. We're just like stuck in a I don't even know how to discipline my child because, yeah, exactly. When there's just common sense that says like, okay, they're doing something they're not supposed to be, you know, stop the situation. Right. And um, and then, you know, we're, we're embarrassed because our kids are throwing a fit in the grocery store when common sense says pick them up and take them home, right. you know, just... Right, just do it. Just do do something about it, you know. So I hope they have confidence, and I hope they sit down as a family and and talk about their values, what's important to them as a family, and, um, you know, bring your kids into it. Ask them. You know, our family did that whenever I I was young, and I include a part about that in the book at the end. I tell, like, our Howard, my family was Howard family, our Howard family principles for living. And so talk about as a family. Say, you know, talk about things that are important to you. What are the things that you value? Is it hospitality? Is it generosity? Is it um, hard work? And um, and talk about that and, and then work to live it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming down. We'll make sure we link out to the book so people can get copies. All right. Thanks, All right, a, lot. thanks a lot. Thanks, Billy. So that was Corey. And like the thing that I loved about interviewing her was that she was very measured, very calm. Um, and it wasn't just about her book, right? I mean, look, right. publicists approach you. They tell you. We want to talk about this book. That's what we want to discuss. Is there any worse creature on the planet than a publicist? They're either amazing or awful. There's nothing in the middle when you deal deal with a publicist. I don't know. There's just some some sort of evil vibe they have. uh, Well, look, I I have a lot of publicists who I'm friends with that I really like, and I have a lot that are awful. Awful creatures who inhabit the earth. Uh, They might be Nephilim (laughs) demons, um, which we we covered recently on our show. I don't know, but they are awful. And I've had really bad experiences with publicists. So, but it's nice when you do have, and she has good publicists. It's a horrible job, though. It's it's a thankless job. It's it's uh, it's, ugh. Can you imagine that job? Well, they just they don't treat people well sometimes. If they don't get what they want, oh, if they don't get what they want. But even the ones that do treat people well, who are nice that I like, it just. You, they're just annoying, you know? Well, you know. And that's the job. <clears throat> it is an annoying job. And I think I think the other piece of it, though, is I've had people not get what they want, and they'll go after you. Oh, I really? mean, they'll try to take you down if they that's don't terrible. get what they want. It's, cra- it's crazy how nuts some publicists are. Or, well, I won't get into details, but there was a particular <laughs> celebrity whose publicist I really enraged and um, oh, really? because I had the nerve to send a question on a holiday. It was like Memorial Day, first of all. It you wasn't even like a real holiday. bastard. And she was like, can you call me? So I called her. She emailed me. And it, she launched into an insane oh. tirade and told me I would never interview one of her clients again. And 
And I was, she's like, how dare you contact me on a holiday? And it's like, why did you respond to your email on a holiday? Like, why you just did, ignore did you it? Say, it did like, you say that to her? I said a lot of things to her, actually. I did not hold oh, back much. Um, and, and sometimes I was, it's like, look, I'm, if you want to to burn a bridge, feel free. Right. But you're actually burning a bridge that could get you it's, a lot of attention. Yeah, it's hurting them more than it's hurting you when right. they do that. Right. I'm sorry that who was the person that that we won't be doing any more uh, interviews with. But um, you know, whatever. We're ruined, Billy. We're ruined. <laughs> I know that it's it was just crazy. Is that sister? Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm probably I probably have a we should actually let's bleep that name out after because I'll probably have oh, a class action lawsuit great so now I have now you've given me more work okay that's yes. fine. yeah well I don't need that publicist coming after me for a fifth time all right so I need to write down bleep name you're so dramatic bleep name. anyway you're not the one doing it you want to do it I'm just well, kidding you got, really look at you it got doesn't me totally bother off doesn't the rails bother here me. sorry well, I was because I was going to say what I loved about Corey was that she was open about talking about Obama, where right. she stood on. And it wasn't just rallying against them. It was very specific issues about character. And and I think that's an important thing, regardless of, of where you stand on the right. president or whatever, that you are able to articulate a real reason why you either support or don't. And I thought she was able to do that pretty yeah. well. No, I thought I thought I, and, and she's. I mean, she's just she's just a classy lady. I mean, again, I was joking earlier about how Willie married up, right? Like she's totally out of his leg, but she is. I mean, she's just about out of about any out about any man's leg. She's a she's a beautiful woman for one. Yeah, she's, but she's also. I mean, she's just and just smart. so classy and smart and with it and loves the Lord. And it's just like there's nobody who deserves her as a wife. I would suppose, especially not <laughs> especially not Willie Robertson. I mean, come on. <laughs> I love it. Well, I'm still trying. I really want Willie to, you know, guest co-host the show, as I mentioned. I mean, so. I I take that back then. But Willie is, of course, <laughs> deserving of her. Oh, <laughs> uh, what else do I have to deal with on this show with um, you today? Um, well, you had sent me something about a. Let's do this real quick. So you had sent me a link to a new book, and just in time for the holiday season, as we as, we, as it's you know the first day of November starts this weekend, and we're gonna gonna get into thanksgiving and christmas and it was an atheist book about the the myths that stole christmas so oh yeah tell me about this. Uh, this is by a friend of yours what's going on here no, it was not by a friend of mine yeah, i'm sure. constantly pitched by atheists because they love they just love to they pitch love to me and bother you oh they love it um no but you know uh, look we have you know we cover a lot of different stories and, and i love when they pitch because sometimes they send good stuff sure but i don't have sure. it in front of me right now but this it's this book about why Christmas was is basically a secular holiday and why it was stolen by the religi- by religious people and it's look I mean Here. it's another this is the a- atheist narrative on Christmas I don't think anybody's walking around saying they believe that Jesus was born on December 25th but you know <laughs> uh, this is the day that people have chosen sure. to celebrate ba- right. and I look Baby I'm Jesus. not I'm not a historian but we know that that we did choose the date based on other celebrations that were going on and right. trying to co-opt them sure. which is fine Right. Well, it's here's so I'm on the page. It's at humanistpress.com and the <clears> name <throat> of the book is The Myths that The Myths that Stole Christmas. A, a cute little clever little play on uh, 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 Dr. Seuss's book. The Myths that Stole Christmas. Seven misconceptions that hijacked the holiday and how we can take it back. <laughs> okay, now first of all, I think it's funny when a an atheist or anybody anti-religion uses the word holiday. 
Okay. That makes me laugh because holiday is holy day. I mean, that's now I know that the British now say, I'm taking a holiday. I'm going on holiday. And, and they mean a little vacation, but holiday, the, the, the source of the word is holy day. I mean, that's just what it is. Okay. So it, you, you, seven misconceptions to hijack the holiday. You don't see, you, you don't believe in holidays because <laughs> you don't believe in holiness. I just so. think that at, what is going on is it's an attempt. And we've talked about that and like a broken record. It's an attempt to continue the removal of God, whether these people yeah. realize that's what they're trying to do no, it's, they or know not. It. They know. Well, of course. I mean, they're not dumb. Um, but I'm trying to be nice and yeah. and not have an opinion. Uh, but you know, so I think that I think clearly these. <laughs> I I have no opinions. Um, good, good for you, boy. Good, I don't. Yeah. Hey there, boy. Actually, I have a lot of opinions. And well, you know, one of can we do another awkward transition here? Because I think we've said it. I don't want to give this book any more attention that okay. we're already going to have to. By the way, I want to get this guy on to battle with somebody about right. this issue. The awkward transition. I'm going to try a different one. Yeah, this one do the awkward transition. Just a minute. Let's see how this one sounds. This is the one I don't know if we've played before. Oh, that's good. No, no, we can't do that one. That's ugly. Try this. Nope. <laughs> that's an awful noise. That's just nuts. That kind of goes with, I'm looking at this page of this book and there's a big picture of Krampus on there. You knew Krampus was, right? Yeah, Great, Krampus you know. Field. <laughs> oh, that's weird too. Oh, that's, yeah, I'll just do this. There you go. Well, thank you for that. You're um, welcome for those 14 transition noises. <laughs> sure but... fully, just making sure we're fully transitioned. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, gosh. Um, I think that really all of America must have heard our debate about Kim Davis, and clearly you resonated more with the country because because I'm a superior superior intellect. APGFK, I used to work for GFK. Full disclosure, uh, put out a poll. So you were fired. You were summarily (laughs) dismissed. I actually, it's one of those jobs you leave, and you're like, I'm going to leave this job for something better after eight months, and then you're like, oh. I'm jobless a year later. Uh, but, Speaking um, of which, okay, say so wait a minute. Before I know I'm bird walking here, but did you see that? I sent you something that some idiot, not some idiot, somebody posted on Facebook. And you know, everybody's posting these things on Facebook that are funny little sayings or whatever that make you laugh. This one, I laughed out loud when I said, here it is. Because speaking of jobs and getting jobs you want, I think I sent it to you. It says, my boss said, dress for the job you want, not the job you have. <laughs> Now I'm sitting in a disciplinary meeting dressed as Batman. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. You're you're an idiot. (laughs) You were summarily dismissed from GFK. And then what? I was not dismissed. Um, In fact, they were like, we tried hard to get here. Why are you leaving after eight months? Um, (laughs) My my sentence (coughs) is over. I have a Kim Davis call. (laughs) But um, what was I even talking about? You're so distracted. The poll poll from something in GFK. Thank you. The poll. Um, so GFK had done this poll and asked Americans back in February and July, um, do you think government officials should be allowed to opt out of providing wedding, you know, licenses if they, if they're opposed to it at the time, 47% wanted an exemption. Um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. 49% wanted an exemption. 47% wanted to require people like Kim Davis to give those licenses after the Kim Davis spectacle, which should have helped her case. Right, uh, right. It actually apparently hurt her case because we now have 58% wanting to require her. It's actually flipped. And they 58% want to require only 41% now agree that there should be an exemption. Good grief. That's, That's kind of crazy. Yeah, it is a little crazy. So, um, 
Maybe because people like you did nothing but make fun of her hair length. I never said anything about her hair. <clears throat> you did not. That's no, true. I did talk about her hotness, but I never mentioned her hair. I fine. That's I, true. I can't find. Um, I'm trying to find something. What's, anyway, what's I, I just think it's interesting. But here's the big problem, yeah. I think. And I said this to you before. And the reason that I always argued that an exemption was not an unreasonable thing for everybody is because that is now going to impact how businesses are looked at. Oh, I, sure, I don't think sure. the public is going to be able to differentiate very well. Maybe I'm wrong. No, I, I agree. All right. So let's. Uh, um, oh, crap. Kentucky. I was thinking. How can, how can I do this? It's not a totally awkward transition. So allow me to explain myself through this not-so-awkward transition. It's kind of, actually kind of awkward. Kim Davis is from where? Rowan County, Kentucky. Oh, so she's from Kentucky. And we did an interview this week with another gentleman. Not another gentleman. A gentleman who was also from the state of Kentucky. <laughs> that was, I'm sorry. I did not mean I'm it that sorry. way. Then I, uh, When I said it, again. I'm like, well, that didn't nope, sound right. Nope, nope. Make fun of Kim Davis more. Go ahead. Oh, can we just talk about this other interview we did before we get into it? Because yes. Chris called a male publicist a woman. <laughs> on purpose. On purpose. <laughs> on purpose. On and purpose. there was a moment where everyone was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Until you let everybody know it was a joke. I knew it was a joke. Yeah. Um, but they, they, were, well, they weren't sure quite how to react. Because it's like, do uh, you really think that's a girl? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because that's how it came across. Like, that you really believe that... So uh, I, I did that on nice purpose. You know, I played it that way on purpose, but I figured that they would know I was joking. Because we no. told them beforehand. We told them, you know, this is a kind of a guy talk show. We just kind of have fun. We bust each other's chops and, and we just do this. And so. And anyway, so anyway, the person we talked to, who, who I have talked to many times in the past, is Jason Crabb. He's a Christian singer, a former member of the Crabb family. I don't well, know. I think he's still, still a member of the family. Well, I mean, the Crab Family Band, the group, the, the group, ensemble. The gospel group. Um, yeah. The gospel group. But he is solo now and, and has really been... So low. How low is he? He was more of the traditional like gospel guy, I think, in the past. And he's a young guy. Right. Um, but, but over time, he has been growing and growing in popularity and, and really a great guy yeah, uh, who we had a great time talking to. Yeah. Who we actually... I want to invite him back to co-host. I think he'd be a fun guest host. To you replace know. you. Probably not as... Permanently. <laughs> Probably... He probably won't be as spectacular. He probably won't be, you know, I, you know, he won't be as spectacular as, as Matthew West was. But you know, Matthew was, West was awesome. And by the way, no, people he, loved this guy Matthew would, West. Jason Jason would actually do a very good job. And people did love Matthew West. Well, how yeah, do you, there was how a big you, response. How can to you, that. you? How can you not? He's dreamy for crying out loud. Yeah, and and he participated in making fun of you, which I that's felt. Right. Oh, that's fine. And he has stacks and stacks of money, so it's you know, kind of like Jason Crabb does. I'm sure. The rolling. only people who don't have stacks and stacks of money are you and I. That's right, the two of us. <laughs> and you know uh, why? You know why? Because we do the show for free. Can you imagine if we charged for this? We should charge for we'd this. We'd be I rolling mean, honestly, in the. We'd be rolling in the coins. We would be, and and honestly, <laughs> we should. We should charge. Right. I mean, we'd have one paid subscriber, Pedro, right. Pedro but I think it right. would be worth and it. And we'd and we'd have to we'd have to actually send him money to get him to pay to subscribe. Right? So. Yeah, yeah. We're assuming he would pay. <laughs> Oh well, what are you gonna do? I mean, I don't know. I know. I know what we should do. Let's play this interview, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about it. Just a second. It's Billy Hollowell here, and I've got Chris Field. Unfortunately, as usual, <laughs> yeah, with thanks me. a lot. That's, that's, that's very nice. <laughs> and we are we are actually talking with one of my friends who is immensely talented, Jason Crab. How you doing today, Jason? I'm doing wonderful. I'm with 
you and Chris today. So you with the church boys. Unfortunately, <laughs> thing was. <laughs> so, so anyway. Jason. Jason, you know, Billy's going to go off on how immensely talented you are, but what we have to understand is that anybody in comparison to Billy is immensely <laughs> talented. So he says that about everybody. So <laughs> No, but in the case of Jason, he actually does. He actually is. And you're correct, Chris. Anybody, I mean, a, a, the dog next door is more talented than, than I am. But yes, that is, that is true. Oh, that's not so true. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> well, well, you know, Jason, you've got you've got a lot going on uh, right now, as always. But I think that the big thing, obviously, is uh, your new album, uh, whatever the road. So I want to I want to just ask you, because I have never created anything outside of uh, writing a story. So I have no clue what goes into being creative. And Chris is laughing right now um, at home <laughs> and, and saying I could see him on Skype. Um, laughing at me, but no, I guess my, my big question for you, and I know this album is different for you for a lot of reasons. Um, you know, you, you wrote some songs, you did some different things on this album, but what, like what goes into making an album? Like what is the, how hard is it? What goes into it? Well, you know, here was the one thing for, that was different for me on this record was when I signed a new record deal, this is my first record with Provident, which is a piece of Sony. Um, they sign, I signed the record deal. This is the day of signing. I'm just taking you there. The day of signing, I signed the, the contract, the record contract. Then they put another contract in front of me, and I asked what it was, and they said, it's a writer's contract. And so I didn't have the heart to tell them I wasn't a writer and because I was scared they'd rip up the other one, so I just signed <laughs> it too, you know. And so with this, with this record, um, you know, I wrote you know, or co-wrote about 70% of this new one. So I feel like, you know, this is a little bit more of who I am than anything I've ever done. Um, also, you know, that, that took a while. I mean, that took a year to just get enough songs to where you can pick and choose and go, okay, yeah, that, that one works and that one don't. And, of course, my, my um, you know, it, we had a good team to help us do that. Uh, but then you've got to, you know, you get the demo down and, and find out what direction and you're sitting in there with, the team and the AR and, and, and different, the producers and, and they're going, I don't know about this one. I don't know the, you know, if it's, if it's uh, AC enough or, you know, he might sound a little too like he's from Beaverdam, Kentucky, which I am. <laughs> and, uh, so, you know what I mean? So yeah. there's just so much that goes into the finished product. And the funny thing is, like, this week, is it, it's been out now for about a month. This week is the first week I put it in my truck, and I listened to completely through twice. Because I don't, I don't listen to my stuff. I just listen through to it and go, okay, now that it's, uh, it's, it's going to be fresh again to listen to and see what I wish I would have done. So, anyway. So, Jason, oh, when you say you wrote about 70% of what's on there, are, do you do more of the lyric writing or the music writing? Or are you uh, you know about equal in both? What's your what's your uh, what's your job? A, a little both, honestly, a little both. Uh, right. I feel like a little both, you know, uh, lyrically and and also musically, right. you know, try to try to do a little bit of both of it right. uh, because you know I just feel that that maybe there's a little more kind of. I don't know. It gives me the you know what feel that I'm looking for. All right. Now we talked we talked to your publicist before we got a chance to talk to you. And by the way, she just seemed lovely. And um, that was just a little dig at Aaron. That's all. 
<laughs> so uh, <laughs> I don't know if he's listening on a, on another line no, or not. Was, Chris, that was vi- that was vicious. Oh, I was just giving him a hard time. You, this is what happens, Jason, when you agree to come on a show with Chris Fields. <laughs> so, but he that is so funny because I mean he's just sitting here looking at me, and uh, he goes, he goes, huh? <laughs> That was just awesome. All right, so seen that actually, uh, <laughs> but uh, but uh, Aaron Aaron mentioned, and uh, I haven't had a chance to to listen to the album yet, but that that a lot of these songs, the inspiration for writing them, were like personal journeys for you. Can you tell us a little bit about what was behind some of these songs, some of the things that really stood out for you when you when you were writing? Yeah, you know, the thing about what I do is a little different. You know, of course, you know the the music. Uh, country music and maybe even rock and, and all that, you know, maybe there's songs that, you know, uh, that people reminisce or bring back memories or whatever and, and say, okay, that helped me, that gave me strength. And and to be honest with you today, I'm, I'm kind of, it's, it's a, let's see, how do I say this? Music is a little more uh, just like, okay, it's for a season, then it's gone. And you don't even remember what the big hit was, you know, about two years from from uh, from now. Um, and it, that's kind of sad to me. It's, it was a little thrown away. Uh, but the cool thing about what we do is, and, is that we hear people's lives. We stand back behind the table, uh, which is the merch table, and I stand there until the last person leaves which is very tiring, especially after you get finished doing a concert. You know, there's two hours, and then you stand at the table for an hour, and sometimes an hour and 30 minutes. You know, and, but you get to hear their stories. You get to hear where they've been, what's going on in their life, you know, um, how maybe a song has touched them. And it gives you ideas, you know. It gives you, hey, what what issues should I touch on? What, what should I talk about? What should I sing about? Where, where's my heart right now for the people? Because truthfully, it's all for the people that you're singing to, mm-hmm. you know, in Christian music, it's, it's all about the people. And the reason being is because it's God's work and God's work is about, you know, for others. And so, uh, so that's kind of the direction that we took on the writing is we really wanted it to be for, you know, in, you know, the hurting or we wanted this record to be encouraging to the people that, you know, maybe we're going through some obstacles in life. And, and I feel like that that's kind of what we really tackled on this record. The song on, on the record, He Knows What He's Doing, take me through that story, uh, because I know that that was a story that I would imagine is pretty deeply personal to you, and, and it's a pretty emotional one. You know, it really is. Um, he Knows What He's Doing uh, came from, well, was inspired from a young lady by the name of Lily. She was six years old. And uh, she won she my sister called me and said, mother of this child, Lily, uh, has contacted me and wants to know if you will let her sing a song with you on stage as one of her requests. And I said, absolutely. And she goes, she says she has cancer. And so anyway, uh, she gets there and she sings, and you know you could see how that you know that life had really taken its toll, you know, and she had been taking um, medication and different things, and a lot of her hair had been you know had was gone, just to be honest. 
And she got up there and sang with me a song called Love is Stronger. It's on a previous record, the title of the record, actually. And uh, she touched the audience and touched my heart. Well, the next day I was to write for this new record. And I was with Jason Ingram. We were at the studio, and I just walked in. He goes, man, what you feeling today? And I said, be honest with you, I'm spent. And I was been out all week. And the last thing that we did was, you know, Love is Stronger and, and, and Lily and sing. And I said, I'll just be honest with you, I, I'm spent. I don't know how much I've got, you know. And, and I began to share the story. And Lily's mother texted me while I was talking to Jason about her. And she said, thank you for letting her, you know, sing with you on stage. So I began to tell Jason uh, about the story. And he goes, I think that's something that we need to write. I think it's, you know, you know it's inspiring uh, to us that we need to, God is done with us, we need to pin this out. And so we attempted it, and, and lo and behold, um, you know, we come up with kind of the hook and, and everything, and one of our dearest friends, uh, my wife and I, we would go on trips with uh, this family, a beautiful family. They have two children, a young boy and a young girl, and the mother uh, had cancer, and she didn't have very much longer to live. And my wife said, can I send that song to them? And her husband played it over her every day. And that's what she would say. She said, God knows what he's doing. I don't understand why I'm going through this, but God knows what he's doing. And they would play that song and they would listen to it even the day that she went home to be with the Lord. So, man, this song is really heavy. In a lot of places, it, it really touched, you know, our family. But also, you know, we're seeing it's touching other people as well. And that's where that song came What can you tell us now? I mean, do you keep in touch with Lily's family? How is she doing now? Lily has, uh, is gone. She went home. And uh, she's, uh, she passed away. And Lily's mom, uh, she comes, you know, when we're close. I had her, I did a concert. I actually shot a video of the new record. And I invited her and put her in a hotel and, and invited her and she sat on the front row and I got to do it for a while um, before the record came out. Wow. And it was very, it was very emotional, just to be honest. But she said, you know, it does my heart good that her story is being told and, and lives are being touched, yeah. even in a, in a tough, traumatic time, you wow. know, as this. And she, you know, she was very thankful that we, you know, wrote the song about her. Wow. I mean, yeah, that that's just it's I'm sorry to hear that she that she is gone. And I mean, when you went into this whole process of doing the album and you signed that contract and you thought, huh, you know, I haven't I haven't written as much, but I'm going to I'm going to sign the contract. I'm going to do this. Um, did you anticipate that you would be writing any sort of song like that? I mean, it doesn't get much more oh, heavy no. than that. No, to be honest, I, I really didn't. I didn't know that that's where we would be going. You know, I didn't know that, uh, you know, it's so wild. It's like people, you know, artists that are writers, the music becomes a part of you, who you are. And, you know, and it's your, it's your DNA. It's your story. It's other people's story. That's, that's affected your life. And, you know, I had never experienced that part before until this record. So, which is, you know, I asked my dad one time, I said, Dad, I said, how do you write these great songs? He said, well, truthfully, I've lived them. Yeah. And he said, 
I'm ready for somebody else to go through some stuff <laughs> instead of me going through it and writing, me yeah. writing about, you know, their life for a while. But he said, you know, I've lived out a lot of this stuff, you know. And so, honestly, I'm seeing it, you know. Um, it's a new season of life, but um, if it can it help someone, you know, it's 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 uh, it's it's rewarding, you know, in, in kind of a right. weird, you know, a weird way. Yeah. So I see that I, I was I was on your website and I was looking. You've got some tour dates coming up. I don't mean to veer away from your album, but I do want to talk about your tour that's coming up. Um, uh, Chris no, wants free tickets. No, I don't. I'm not anywhere near where he's going to be. It doesn't look like that. I can find you. Not on. I don't see a West Coast. I don't see a West Coast angle to this. At least, yeah, not not yet. Yeah, anyway. yeah. avoiding you well, clearly. Uh, he doesn't want to hang actually, out with all the hippies over here. Actually, I'll be in um, uh, in Orange County. Oh, wow. um, all right. California. Oh, very I can't good. Can't remember when, but I'll be out in California pretty soon. All right. So, uh, so I'm. So I was gonna, I was gonna yeah. ask, ask you. I see that you, you've got a lot of, you've got a lot of concerts that happen kind of in the holiday season. When you do your, when you do your uh, concerts, do you, when it's the Christmas season, do you, are you gonna be making a kind of a, a Christmas angle? Or are you going, this is my album and this is what we're doing, what we're talking about, or, or do you make it a Christmas show? You know, we do a little both. You know, I, I, I do some Christmas songs and kind of getting the, you know, the, the, the feels. You know the Christmas feels going, right? And you know, and then I'll do some of some of the uh, maybe a little bit of the new record, and maybe some songs that they they want to hear. But you know, it's kind of fifty fifty. Yeah. You know, honestly, if I did all Christmas music, then somebody would come up and go, "I don't want to hear." You know. Right. Right. So, right, 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 right. Yeah. <laughs> I try not to give them the opportunity, but I I yeah. I, I, I do. Um, you know, a little bit of, of both. Yeah, there are standards. You, there are standards that you have to perform, right? I mean, you got to there as long as you've been you and your family have been doing music. There are some things that people kind of kind of expect, I suppose. So, uh, what's your yeah. what's you you've toured? I, and again, I ask this because I'm incredibly jealous because I'm just a schlub who doesn't do a whole lot of traveling other than around the for work around the country a little bit. But you like are a world traveler. What's your favorite place you've done uh, a, a concert? What's your favorite, uh, you know, maybe your My favorite favorite, favorite domestic and favorite international places? Um, probably international. I, I would have to say, you know, I love I love Norway. I'm matter of fact, I'm going to be gone this Thanksgiving because I'm getting ready to get uh, to Norway. Wow, it's a beautiful country. The people there are wonderful. Um, I also, you know, love. Uh, uh, we did a thing over in the Bahamas the, uh, this last year, which was really cool. I bet. Had a blast doing that. Uh, you know, crabs right. like the sand and water. <laughs> that works. Uh, All right. Yeah. All right. And probably here, you know, I, there's so many. I mean, really, there's so many. I love doing the Opry, which I'm getting ready to do again. Wow. They're going to be on the Opry next Tuesday, I think it is. Nice. And then I love doing Brooklyn Tab. I was just going to say, you're coming to Brooklyn. You're coming to New York. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to Brooklyn. Love going to Brooklyn Tab, doing that. You know, we um, we love just Pastor Jim and his wife. Now, are you, are you gonna, I was going to ask if you're close with Symbola or not. So they seem like really good people. I am. I love them. Yeah. They're the sweetest people. We got to do one time, you know, I got to sing on a song of theirs. It was called I'm Amazed. Yeah. And um, 
we got to do that at one of the last Billy Graham crusades there in New York. Wow. And uh, seeing that, and I got to sit on stage with Sister Carol as, you know, right. uh, the great evangelist walked up on stage. And, and uh, man, I was like, God, his hair was just white as snow. <laughs> it was blowing in the wind. Yeah. And I was like, man, if they were recording the Bible right now, today would be a day. I mean, it was like 110,000 people in, sure. in the park that day. Wow. 4,000 people gave their hearts to Jesus. And, That's amazing. You know, I'm just like, it's just amazing. Yeah, it's it just amazing. That And there's a place called in Oklahoma called, uh, it's uh, Choctaw Indian Reservation in Tuscahoma, Oklahoma, yeah. which is one of my very favorites to go to. If we get an opportunity to go, it's amazing. They do concerts first class. It's wow. a festival they do all week, and uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, oh, goodness. Just many places going back home. They just built an amphitheater back in Beaver Dam, Kentucky. So, uh, how, how, big really it, cool day. how big is Beaver Dam? Huh? How big is Beaver Dam? <laughs> it's, not, it's not that big at all. Like two thousand, maybe. So, so essentially, somebody took the door off the front of their garage, and that's the new amphitheater. Is it like an actual classic that's joint? That's the new amphitheater, <laughs> my friend. That's it. <laughs> that's all right. I live, I live in, I live in, yeah, I live in a town of about fifteen hundred people. So, I, I get, I get the small town thing. That's fun. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah it comes up every episode how great your small town is. I would now, Billy. Now, Billy, because. When when we get you know, when we get celebrities on the show, and you know, and Jason compared to us especially, he's a celebrity. You know, he's in the music business. You know, he's one of those big name hoity-toity people. It's always our goal to get yeah. you to say something that will totally ruin your career. No, it's not our goal. It's your goal. <laughs> oh, God, sorry. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. Wow. I don't. I don't know. I, know. I don't know. This is where I exit. Right. <laughs> this is where I go. Hey guys, man, it's been great to be on the show so, with you. Uh, I need to. I'm gonna give you. I want to give you just a little pop quiz. Uh, I don't know if you heard. I, we had Matthew. Wow. We had Matthew West on a couple of weeks ago, and uh, gave him a pop quiz. And we were. We were. I was unable to. I, I won't say. I wasn't able to get him to say anything that was going to just totally tank his career. So, but I'm gonna give you a, a, a pop quiz similar to what I gave him, and we'll see how you do here. Okay. This is called hack or not a hack. Um, and I'll give you a name, and you tell me whether this person is a hack or not a hack when it comes to the Christian music uh, recording industry. All right. Uh, Matthew West, hack or not a hack? He is a wonderful guy. <laughs> All right. He how is. About, yeah, how about, like okay. Matt Redman, hack. Great, great Matt. musician, great yeah. singer. Um, just fantastic. All right. To be honest, puts on a fantastic show. I played with him last year at Tuscaloosa. Oh, yeah. All and right. uh, that, that station I was telling you about right. just was amazing. Touched a lot of people's lives. It was amazing. Yeah, there you go, Chris. See, you couldn't okay. trap him. Okay, how about Matt Redman? Hack or not a hack? You know, to be fair about it, I've heard a lot of wonderful things, but yeah. I've never been with him. All right, all right. So so, 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 so he's hedging. It, it's, it's, so you're saying there's a chance that he's a hack. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't say that. No, uh, his recording stuff is fantastic. He is. He is. He really yeah. is amazing. He really is amazing. Okay, one last one, and this is this will probably be an easy one for you. Bill Gaither, hack or not a hack? The most brilliant man I've ever <laughs> been around in my life. <laughs> he really is. This is my. This is my way. He will, tell, I, he will tell. He will tell you that he's not the best singer, but yeah. he surrounds himself oh, yeah, with he does. wonderful people. Yeah. And yep. so, if you get to the place where 
you go, okay, you know, maybe I just need where I'm weak. I need to surround myself with the best. Right. And so, man, I'm telling you, yeah. he's brilliant. Yeah. He's done a fantastic job for gospel music. And a lot of people think it's just Southern gospel music. But I mean, he brought. I mean, he brought a lot of people to the party. Yeah, he did. Like uh, Lana Harris, Sandy Patty yep. helped them. Steve Green, uh, I, just I mean, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, very smart man. Was on stage with uh, Matt Meyer this year at uh, the Dove Awards. Wow. And they everybody made mention of him. So yeah. he's he's uh man he's 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 the Mac. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I, we, we, we knew, you know, we weren't gonna be able to get to say anything bad, but I, I do like to hear people's take on these different, these different artists, and I, I didn't know that you and you and uh, Matthew West were, you know, that close that you were just, I don't know, holding hands and picking out drapes. I didn't know that was going on. So. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, probably not holding hands, but All right. I did hook his neck and told him he did a great job. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. See. All right. One last question. One last question for you. Are you? And I know we, when our show goes live, which is which is Sunday. Halloween will have passed, but do you celebrate Halloween? Is it something that you and your family observe or no? Because I know Christians have, we all have different views on it. Well, you know, here's the deal. I think it's all how you look at it. You know, um, a lot of people, you know, look at it to be a, a festival of, you know, very uh, dark things. And, you know, it, how can, you know, if you put a smile on a child's face, How's that dark? Right. You know, yeah, I agree. Uh, the the thing is, is <clears throat> put it in context. You know, one of the things we don't go all out. We don't do that. It's not something that we go. Oh, let's let's sit down and read the meaning of Halloween, where it came from. Right. It's like, okay, let's eat chili with some crackers and and you know, hey, uh, get filled up on tootsie rubs. You know, Wait, uh, your Halloween <laughs> sounds amazing. No, is, is that the is that the <laughs> Is that the uh, traditional Beaver Beavertown or Beaverdam, Kentucky Halloween uh, meal? Is chili with crackers? Well, you know what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> kind of. But now that I live in Nashville, we we uh, you know I think we we even have uh, I don't know uh, cheese put in the. Oh, chili that's now. nice. So, that's stepping uh, it up. You know, real good. <laughs> My wife picks. Matter of fact, she picks the best chili on the planet. I mean, she really does. She's the best at it. Your wife is awesome. And Your wife. We had we had she, dinner a couple two years ago. We had dinner and I got a chance to hang out with you guys. You're both you're both awesome. Much well, cooler than Chris Field, so oh, obviously. Matter of fact, she's getting ready to come pick me up. We're going to go to the hospital. My little brother is getting ready to have a, uh, uh, you know, a child, and so we're nice. excited about that. That's and, awesome, uh, Billy. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, uh, you've got to come back down. I know, uh, you know, I know. Bring, bring your family. You know, we met you. Now it's time to meet the fam. Don't bring right? your co- don't bring your co-host. Did you notice? Bring how we... your little baby. I know how to spoil little girls. I'm gonna. <laughs> we're gonna come. Down. We're gonna come down. My wife is dying to come to Nashville, so we are we are going to come. I promise. Well, that would be wonderful. We'll throw a we'll throw a party. Chris, you can come too. No, nah, it's okay. Don't don't bring Chris. It's, we don't need to bring Chris. Yeah, <laughs> I re- well, I get really I get really un- to come. I want you to come. Yeah, yeah I think it'd be fun. Yeah, I get and, and I get really we would have a ball. I get really uncomfortable around Christians. So <laughs> shut up! <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. I don't believe that. No, he's he's like the most he, he's honestly the poster boy of Christianity. If you had a poster boy, 
it would be Chris Field. Well, if you had or a, shirt, you a shirtless, crab, a shirtless, you? a shirtless poster boy. Oh boy! Me. All right. This is when we let you go. Okay. You go. <laughs> this is when we can let you go to escape. And wonder what's going to happen to your career now. So. Uh, yeah, <laughs> All right. Well, listen. Thank you so much for coming out. We really appreciate it. Yeah, and say bye to Aaron for oh, me. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Uh, I, I I love what you guys do, and uh, you know, and like I said, again, the door is open. Anytime you come to Nashville, hey, this would be a blast. I'll have her fix some that good show. Oh, that'd be I nice. can't wait. I will All be right. there. All right. Hey, <laughs> thanks. We'll talk soon. All right. Thanks, Jason. Yep. All right. Thank you. Bye. All right. Bye bye. That was oh, that's that was, like awful. That awful. It's like a, it's like an elf dying, like a <laughs> like one of Santa's elves. It's horrible. Uh, anyway, anyway, we need Satan to record some um, transitions for us. Oh yes, that's what we need. I wonder if there's anyone else mom. we could get. To no, don't do, don't do my mom. Tra- my mom's actually coming to visit today, and I'm going to try to break the news that she's been on the show. Um, oh, dude, don't tell her. I'm, I'm one of her friends. Eventually, will. Um, she has, anyway, like she has friends who listen. You know, oh. you'd be surprised. Anyway, anyway, the bottom line is that Chris Field, we have a real problem in this country. We, we have do. people, and you're a football coach, yeah, a, a foosball coach. Uh, we have people, real people in this country, who actually believe that it's appropriate to go to the fifty yard line and pray. What? And that they and that they would do this after a game on their own, and that students who uh, do have free will right. would, you know, want to follow them and pray with them. Oh, that is mesmerizing to me, that we have people who believe that that's okay. How do you feel about that? Um, as long as it's not mandatory, who cares? Right. Well, right? look, we this story that I'm joking about, it's Joe Kennedy. He was He's the coach everyone's been talking about out in, in Washington State. And... Um, you know, a lot of things seem to happen out in Washington yeah, State, it's a by crazy, the way. It's a crazy place. Um, anyway, so he he has been going back and forth with the school district. He prays after games. Kids on both teams, the opposing team and his football team, join him. Members of the community join him, and they pray. It's after the game ends. It's still sort of considered part of the school's program, I guess, because it's after a game. But but the thing that's interesting, we have to be fair about this, He there were a couple complaints against him. One was that, he was praying in the locker room with students and that was that was a little bit problematic because it was sort of, it was viewed as sort of a captive audience he actually said he would stop doing that he said i agree this isn't right i probably should stop doing this so he stopped okay now but but the football field prayer he did not stop he said i have no reason to stop this it's it's my choice to do it and it's other kids choice to join me if they want which seems like a pretty reasonable viewpoint yeah to me but the district has let him temporarily go. They've yeah. suspended him with pay. That's just. I'm, I'd be interested to know how the how the players ultimately react. You know. Yeah, and it's interesting. I, I'm waiting for some more details from them. I mean, right now the it looks like his attorneys. If something doesn't change, they're going to file a lawsuit. So this is going to become a legal battle for sure. Right. All right. Well, I mean, uh, we'll keep monitoring it. Yeah. So one more awkward transition because we got to we got to cover this because this is really the only time we can cover it. There is an outrageous. There's a Hollywood actress who has the worst taste in Halloween costumes. Okay, now normally, now normally this woman would be thought tasteless because she has no 
self-awareness as far as I'm concerned. She she'll love she likes to do nude scenes or show nude scenes where she show off shows off her body. A body that I might add ought to remain uh hidden. Um Oh boy. Oh boy. So and we're talking uh, of course about Leah Dunham. Um uh hot babe that she is. You're and, awful. And um she has chosen this year to uh to dress for Halloween as an abortion doctor from Planned Parenthood. That's going to be her outfit. She's not going to be blood stained or anything like that, but she's just going to be an abortion doctor. That's that's her plan uh, for Halloween because she is a classy, classy dame. So what did you think of that, Bill? Did you write that story? I did. Um, what I thought of that was this is completely in line with where she has stood on Planned oh, Parenthood. Yeah. What I just What is bizarre to me is, even if you like Planned Parenthood or you think that abortion is a necessary evil or whatever, not the fact that these people don't have any questions about the videos, that they don't have any, they just love Planned Parenthood so much that they have no urge to ask the question. And I mean, look, people like her probably haven't even watched the videos. And if they have, they would be, they should be a little bit more disturbed. I think we have you have to be fair on these videos and say we don't have every side here. You know, I interviewed um, Dr. Sullivan at Cedarville um, College the other day, and he was telling me, look, it, it does hurt the cause of the, of the pro-life movement to edit so heavily these videos yeah. when we could just sort of watch them. Right. And I think he's right about that. I think there are I understand there are that argument. That, what? I understand that argument. Right? It's not... I don't know if it's watchable if you have the whole hour and a half of video. Who's going to sit and watch it? But if you can clip it and clip it honestly into down to, you know, 10, 15, 20 digestible minutes, then it's more powerful, I think. Right. And I think that was his point. So, yeah, look, I, I, I don't know. I just think that. But to go as a Planned Parenthood doctor is a whole other level of support that I find to be very bizarre and very odd. And I don't. Like the the singer Pink, I know she. Yeah. I, she I actually tweeted back. I saw she had written some things about Planned Parenthood. These people are all standing with Planned Parenthood, and I'm just wondering. Okay, even if you do that, where's your statement talking about how right. you thought it was wrong? The callousness of these discussions. How right. nobody is disturbed that these people can handle fetal remains and talk about them without laughing. Right. I mean, this is twisted. Yeah, it is. It's sick. So it's it's sick. Now, I hate to do this because uh, we're having such a riveting conversation about such a classy woman who I'd love. I love look, so doing Google searches on the pictures of Leah Dunham. I could do that all day. Uh, <laughs> that uh, makes one of us. Oh, she's such a pig. I shouldn't say that. Oh, that's terrible. She's not. That's not nice or kind or necessary. Or Christian. Uh, doesn't make it untrue. <laughs> uh, but... <laughs> <laughs> You're just awful. That's it. I am in an added. I am in a mood today, and a good mood. I mean, it's just like I just. I'll say. I mean, this is one of those days that it's good we're cutting this off because I gotta go uh, here in a few minutes. But um, <laughs> this is one of those days where I would say just about anything. And not which a, church boy is most likely to get us on right wing watch? <laughs> and I'm not. And not. A, I'm not in a ticked off mode. I'm just mood. I'm just in one of those moods. It's like, eh, I'll say whatever. <laughs> You're such a dumb dumb. I am. All right. So, uh, any other words? Oh, you know what? We need to. S Can we say a bye to the certain person you think on. On the show? I think we should. All right. Bye, Glenn. <laughs> My God, you're you're really a terrible creature. <laughs> no, you know. Uh, so last week we had a wonderful interview with a friend of ours uh, named Madeline Morgenstern and Gildan Grants, and um, 
we had a fun interview with her and a good talk with her. And we didn't say this last week, but this week is her last, uh, last days here at the blaze. And she's going on to uh, another project and I'm super excited for her. She's a, it's a job. She's more than, um, capable of doing more than qualified for. And I'm excited for her. Uh, I'll let her talk about, you know, as she wants to talk about reveal what it is she's doing. Um, but we're, we love her and we're proud of her. And, um, so we're just saying, you know, uh, bye Felicia. I mean, bye Madeline <laughs> and, uh, bye -bye. good luck. Don't let the, let, don't let the door hit you. <laughs> don't let the door hit you. <laughs> That's terrible. Actually, You're I terrible. Was, see, while you were talking and you saw me flipping through my soundboard over here, I was trying to find gunshots cause I was going to do a 21 gun salute, but I can't find them. So we'll just have to, we'll just have to wish her adieu. And uh, hope that she has a great time at the new place that she's going. And uh, I can't wait to see what uh, what the future holds for her career because she has been a blessing and a great uh, asset here at the Blaze, and we're gonna miss her. So, Madeline, good luck. We love you. We'll talk to you later. Bye bye. Adios. Bye bye. Church boy.